A wolf may be more than he seems. He may come in many disguises. What's that? The wolf that ate your sister was hairy on the outside. But when she died, she went straight to heaven. The worst kind of wolves are hairy on the inside. And when they bite you, they drag you with them to hell. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 235. The movie this week was 1984's The Company of Wolves, and joining me to talk about it, he hadn't seen it before, and honestly, neither had I, from FilmSack, it's Brian Dunaway. Brian, how are you? Oh, hi. I am so glad to hear that I am not the only person to have not seen this. I had <laughs> no clue. Well, I'll take that back. I had a little clue. I've seen the cover box before. Oh, hi. I'm Brian Dunaway. I'm from FilmSack, and I also worked at Blockbuster when videotapes were all the rage <laughs> during the early 90s. I've definitely seen the cover box for The Company of Wolves, but it was never one I'd seen. So I was glad Travis pulled me in and made me watch it. Thanks for that, Travis. Well, when I got a hold of you about coming on again, um, you had stipulations. You said, all right, I'll come on the show again, but whatever we do has to be mm-hmm. from the 80s. It's got to be a horror movie. And it's got to be something I can find on VHS. And I was like, oh, man, you're, you're making this tough on me. And then I like I, to narrow it down. Yeah. I like to be specific. And I had honestly never <laughs> heard of this movie before. And I stumbled upon it somewhere. And I'm like, how did I not know about a werewolf movie with David Warner and Angela Lansbury from the 80s? Like, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just what you would think, too. Because I was like, I was like, oh, wait. I remember some really good old movies with Angela Lansbury where she was still kind of the sexy one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. let me think. 1984, was she Murder, She Wrote yet? Or was she still doing the other stuff? Yeah, she was definitely Murder, She Wrote time, right? It was more like, <laughs> yep, yeah, it was more in that era. I think this was filmed like right before the pilot for Murder, She Wrote, probably. Right, 1984. She's And she's definitely playing older, whether or not mm-hmm. she's lining up with her age. True. She's definitely playing her age here. So, so you had at least seen the cover box when you were working at the Blockbuster. I, I may right. have stumbled upon that at some point, but it was never like anything in my brain. And then I see the the poster for it, and it's like, how did I not recognize this? Because that's a pretty right, uh, pretty visceral image that they put on the poster for this thing. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it is horror up and down. You definitely know you're about to get it. So it's kind of like. Is kind of like, uh, like kind of the throwback to those kind of, you know, like a werewolf in 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 London, that kind of stuff. But yeah. it's it's good. It's this, uh, you know, is there's a guy with a werewolf popping out of his his uh, his was mouth used to be right? right, and you got yep. a little red got a little red Riding Hood in the background. Just uh, it's everything you had dreamed. And I believe that was this a canon film. I didn't finish digging. It was uh, into this, but yeah, it was re- uh, distributed in the U.S. by Canon. Um, okay, distributing U.S. by Canon, right? Right. Yeah. It was a U.K. film, though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, and then it was distributed. Which yeah. there's not a lot of heavy accents here. No. Um, so it's Neil Jordan co-wrote and directed mm. this. Um, he uh, he went on to do Interview with the Vampire, um, was right? Another big one that he did. The Crying Game was his as well. Um, he oh, yeah, co- he did the Crying Game. Did I know that? I don't think I knew that. And he co-wrote it with Angela Carter. Angela Carter wrote the original story. 
that this was based right. on, The Company of Wolves. She had written, it was like a, a short story in a compilation, and then she rewrote it and redid it a little bit for a radio drama. And the movie was based more on that than the original story. But I actually have, since I watched this, I, I found uh, like a, a dra- dramatic reading of the original story. So I listened to that mm. too. A lot of what's in that story is in the movie. Um Okay. Which I was kind of surprised. It took me now. I don't know if this happened to you or not. As I was watching this, I was very confused. I had little <laughs> idea of what was going on. Like, what is happening? What? What if I? And it took yes. me about half the movie before I figured out. Oh, this is like an anthology. This is a bunch of small yes. stories. Did that happen to you? Yes, too? they do not. <laughs> yes, they do not hold your hand. The movie starts out with a, uh, uh, you know, a, like it's supposed to be in modern times from then. So it's supposed to be like a 1984 type of era. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. modern then. And there's this whole, it reminded me very much of the labyrinth, that movie yes. uh, that I love with David Bowie. Um, and you have this, this, you know, this family interaction going on. And one the, the, one of the main characters who's kind of bookending this whole story is sleeping and she's dreaming. So she goes into this dream world of things that are going on closer to like maybe the 1800s is what I'm assuming. Uh, with most because like the, I, but even maybe even later because you got you got the devil pulls up in a in a roll a rolls royce oh, or something like well, an old school yeah we'll get to that when that, was that supposed to happen that really confused the hell out of me i mean yeah yeah there's a lot of time jumping but this is definitely an anthology like you said this is this is storytelling uh based on like stuff you would see like in you know little red riding hood kind of stories fairy mm-hmm. tales essentially yeah. all wrapped up into this weirdness once i figured that out the movie made a lot right. more sense and I could kind of get into it a little bit more. It was, it was right up until I want to say just after the, uh, the, the story being told with the devil and Terrence stamp in the Rolls Royce. Right. Yes. Terrence stamp making his, uh, appearance right there in the middle of the film and his old <laughs> in an un- school in an uncredited role, just like sitting in the back of a Rolls Royce. But the thing that yeah. was confusing about it and why it's when I figured out that it was an anthology was the driver of the Rolls Royce is the girl we've seen already, but in a blonde yes. wig. Who Yes. Um she was played by uh what's her name? Uh da, 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 da. Sarah Patterson. This was her Sarah, first film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I did a little deep dive on that too. Apparently this, she's got a little cult following because of the some of the fairy tale uh stories I guess she played in beyond mm-hmm. this as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Canon films. Um, she was 12 making this movie. She was 12 in yeah. this movie? Yeah. Get out of here. And they originally wanted to cast someone like Neil Jordan had told his casting director, hey, I want somebody around like 16, 17 to play the part. Yeah. Um, I would have believed she was 16 or 17. And she I honestly totally thought she looks... was too. Yeah. Uh, Funny. Funny. But she auditioned and I guess just she just blew away Neil Jordan. Like he was just like, no, this is, uh, you know, I, I want her to be in this movie and so they they reworked the script a little bit because the story the the original story is a little more uh adult themed leaning of like the kind of coming yeah. of age stuff um mostly right, in right. that last story where she meets the huntsman in the yes. in the original and I didn't know this until I was hearing the dramatic reading but in the original Rosaline kind of is more uh, she's more the aggressor and she's like seducing the huntsman more 
right that whole she's situation. kind of like yeah it's kind of like the almost the twilight thing right it's like yeah. at first you're like oh no i feel sorry for uh, the twilight princess and then you know she did turns out you know she's the great she's like bite me bite yeah. me right here do yeah. it yeah exactly um so i want to be thrilled they did rework that a little bit because of the age of sarah patterson but i got a a little bit of a um kind of young amelia clark feel from okay. her, like looks wise she kept yeah. reminding me of yeah. her just a little bit um i could but see that i had no idea she was 12 and she's really good in the movie oh she's like, fantastic in this i i was i was blown away yeah I'm even more blown away knowing that she was just 12 <laughs> that is insane is that isn't that kind of like what mila kunis did on that 70s show she came in she was like yeah we're supposed to be playing like 16 but she was like 14 but mm-hmm. then thinking like 12 oh my god how do you even play that and they and they did kind of play with her sexuality a little bit and now that seems super creepy i mean it, before it was kind of like okay super young coming of age i got it but 12 I know people age differently, yeah, but man, it, it definitely 12, is. That's it, young. Yeah, that's that's an aspect of the movie and the stories, and you got that a lot right. in fairy tales and things too. But it's something that oh, hasn't yeah, yeah. aged particularly great. Um, oh, none of this movie is aged particularly great, but that's what's so fantastic <laughs> about watching it. It's like ah, oh my god, oh, oh but you sick. have in in. It was so it starts off like you said present day and you get and that was the part that was confusing for me is it starts off present day and you've got David Warner as the dad and uh, the mom yeah. the the older sister who goes you know goes into the house to wake up the younger sister who's asleep mm-hmm. but then it goes into the dream sequence and it's all the same actors now playing yes. the characters back in whatever time it was so right. that, I'm whatever like, weird mist misto time they got going on it's definitely it's definitely dream time they kind of uh-huh. they played that a little bit you got some uh you got some uh imagery that implies that maybe rats are controlling the clock of time this rolling back <laughs> or something and the devil you know he's also some sort of time traveler and grantor of evil werewolf wishes i suppose or some kind of chest vapor rub i'm not sure exactly <laughs> what was going on with that one guy yeah um hairy chest vapor rub stuff but that well, was whew, that was a strange one because so we get angel lansbury is granny and she's telling mm-hmm. the first dream is the older sister getting attacked by a bunch of wolves in the forest but also a right a, a full-size teddy bear and other dolls that are in the forest are attacking her <laughs> I love um, that. Yes, they <laughs> they really leaned into the Alice in Wonderland yes. drug trip that is that, that kind of converted over into like the labyrinth. It's all at the early '80s weirdness fairy tale stuff. Yeah, loved yeah, it. They did, and boy, I tell you, those older like bears and dolls and stuff. Those things are creepy anyway. So make them yeah, bigger, yeah. and they start moving because that shot where she walks by the one we've seen the doll, like we've seen a close up of that doll. Now we see a bigger version of it. And then she walks right. past it, and it moves. And it's like, whoa, okay, yes, uh-uh. nope, and right out of that, yeah, um, yeah. But she has a lot of a lot of you know a lot of uh, transitioning, like you said, uh, from you know that that coming of age kind of story where you know there's this weird thing going on where it's like you're still a child, but you're also growing up, and mm-hmm. all this stuff is larger than life, and it's just it's, it's really some really good imagery, but really weird. You need some drugs, I think. Yeah, you need some weird. drugs to enjoy this, maybe. But she gets attacked by the wolves and killed, and so then we we skip ahead to her funeral, and her granny is Angela Lansbury is like trying to console Rosaline, who's the only character that has mm-hmm. a name throughout the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Besides, yeah, but Granny, a Granny, Granny's not really a name, is it? No, not really. It's um, <laughs> like David Warner is credited as father. That's yeah, father. His father. Yeah, um, the Huntsman. Oh, Alice did. She does have a name though. Alice, oh, Alice or her sister, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, but she's um, dead pretty early. So does that really count? I don't no, know. Nah. But Granny, right, Granny nah. takes Rosaline home uh, the night of the funeral so that like the parents can mourn. And right. tells her stories while they're sitting by the fire. Um, and that's kind of mm-hmm. where we get, like, Angela Lansbury is so good in this for the, the short amount of screen time she has because she has this oh, weird, yeah. this this strange, like, she rocks right on the razor's edge of being the, the um, like, loving grandmother, but mm-hmm. also a little little bit sinister. A little bit, you're not quite oh. sure. Yeah, and she's she's definitely... She's definitely been um, bittered by a relationship. You can, she's just like, uh, yeah, she's just, she's trying to tell her granddaughter, don't get married. (laughs) Don't fall for these charming men. Uh, Don't do it. Right. And I honestly thought that uh, we were going to get the reveal that she was like the sorcerer lady that turned all these people into wolves. At the one point. Was she even real? Because there was a point when, uh, spoiler, when the huntsman comes in um and and he gets he gets ticked off at uh he gets was he get burned or something anyway granny makes a strike on the huntsman who's really a werewolf and uh and she, he just whacks her head right off her head off her body and it flies across and it hits the wall and it i wasn't sure is she supposed to be so old her head just burst like porcelain or I, is it supposed to be a doll's head that was really intriguing i couldn't figure that out no i was very yeah that was it, wild it was I, I thought it looked like a coconut on the inside. Okay, a coconut. Okay, I can see but, that. I, I kind of thought porcelain, porcelain doll too, because yeah. they had they had they had primed me with all those other porcelain dolls they kept, you know, like showing in between scenes and stuff. And I was just like, okay, are they trying to say something here, or was this, or did they just decide we ran out of money because the werewolves, the werewolf transfer, werewolf transformation, the werewolf transformations were varied. Each werewolf seemed to have like a. A different type of transformation, which was yeah. interesting. Yeah, because the first but... the first story Granny tells her is a werewolf story of a young girl. Yeah. You know, the the young girl marries the the traveling man, and their wedding night, uh, who's played by Stephen Ray. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on their wedding night, he decides. You know, he he had he opens up the door. Oh, to throw the hedgehog out. That's what it was. It's a, it's a lot, yeah, he originally opens the door. It hurt. <laughs> right there's so much to unpack the brother left a hedgehog in their wedding bed we won't i don't even know why there's whatever but yeah he opens the door to and to, to throw out the hedgehog yeah and that's when like he gets the call of the wild his eyes change yeah, he sees yeah. the so he has to go you know call the, the call of nature and just disappears but when he comes yeah, back yeah. like whatever it's supposed to be several years later right because she's got three kids by right then mm-hmm. um that werewolf translation transformation I wasn't prepared for it. Like I should have been, but it just, like out of nowhere, he goes from, he goes from zero to a hundred and just starts tearing his skin off, off of his face. It's so wild. It's maybe in my, is, is really, it, it, it's like number one with a bullet on uh, making it to the top of werewolf transformations that freaked me out. Yeah. Uh, That was probably, uh, that was a super intense super intense because it it flips so quickly it goes from yeah like it's this slow burn scene to all of a sudden it just goes to 100 and like 
so the the transformation in American Werewolf in London is still probably mm-hmm. the best one I've ever seen. But that one oh, is yeah. so part of it is because it's so long and protracted, right? And like, yes, you feel that transition and you feel like the pain he's going through during the whole thing because you're just stuck in the middle of it. You can't, right. you can't look away. And this one's like all of a sudden the dude just starts tearing at his face, and yeah, outside of it being you know. 1980s kind of low budget like it looks really good still yeah i mean it's you know he's he's ripping he's ripping all the way down to the you know if you've ever seen like the muscle uh mm-hmm. example you know if, if, oh, if yeah. you're in school you'll have the skeletal okay so that's how you learned that then you got the, the just the the muscle man right there's nothing but just that red meat muscle yep. he just rips it all the way down to the red meat muscle and he's just like then his then his face that the muzzle pops out <laughs> yeah. of his of his mouth and you know and then and slowly he starts becoming a wolf again and it's funny because that these werewolves the the final form of the werewolf is always a really cute wolf and so it's like yeah. they, they get ter- terribly grotesque in between it's like humans ah, okay fine but then it's like the in-between transformation is horrible but then when you're when you're through it's this cute little wolf and i'm like oh okay <laughs> that's where we're gonna end up all right fine yeah. do it i like it um yeah because there was that one was very violent and then the other transition is at the end with the huntsman and his was like mm-hmm. two-thirds of it was just him undulating back and forth yeah and then suddenly... very well too by the way sweaty oh mm-hmm. he, he was definitely covered in a, a thin sheen of sweat um, yes yes it was awesome and then he has the the image you see on the cover, which is just the mouth opening up and like mm-hmm. a wolf snout just popping out of there, and it's like yeah, I mean it is sudden too. It's mm-hmm. like they shove that uh, <laughs> that you know that muzzle uh, through whatever you know whatever creature shop thing face. they made. <laughs> yeah, well, waka, just pop right out of there. It was pretty cool actually. I liked it. It was a good effect. I liked. I, I honestly liked both werewolf transitions for different reasons, um, mm-hmm. and I, I like the varying of them. The the first yeah. one reminded me because I had seen it prior. Obviously, is um, uh, Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. Oh yes, because I actually like that movie. Are you are you a fan of that movie or a, uh, not so much? I am mostly okay with them. Like I don't hate the movie. Um, I, I enjoy that... the movie. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it, but if it's on like Stars or something, sure. And I, I'm like, okay, sure, let's watch it. Why not? It's, I, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm that way with a lot of Stephen Summers movies, whether it's The Mummy, right. Mummy Returns, Van Helsing. Uh, mm-hmm. I do draw the line at the G.I. Joe movies, but I had, like, okay. I saw I saw the G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra in the theater. And when it got right, to the right. scene where they have the giant ice pack and, they, and it's floating right. above everything and they detonate it and it starts to sink. Right. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, I, I was like, okay, you've lost me at this point. You're making one giant ice cube turn into a bunch of small ones that for some reason sink. And I'm not sure I can, I, movie, I can't go there with you. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't take this. Yeah, you're, you've gone too far. You've, you've hurt my, you've hurt my feelings. Like, like I Stephen Summers has his own brand of physics that works in his movies for the most right. part. That right. was, that was the step I couldn't go. Um but like Van Helsing for me was one where I love some of the concept of I love Frankenstein's monster in it. I thought it was great. Yes, um, that's one. That is a really good Frankenstein monster. Agreed. Uh, it it sort of it was one of those movies that kind of two thirds of it was great, and the last act started to collapse under its own weight. 
Um, right. But the werewolves in it are awesome. And they were a really oh, yeah. cool way yeah. where they, like they, again, they're like tearing their skin apart and sort of morphing out of that. And I thought that was really cool. And oh, yeah. I wonder how much was influenced by this movie because I don't oh. know that I could think of another one where you've seen like the splitting and stuff, but the actual like right. physical reaching their hands in and tearing at their own skin. I can't think of another yeah. movie that's done that. Yeah. That's, I can't think of another movie. I'm trying, I was trying to think I've, I've read some werewolf books, but I was trying to think if there was any that might go into deep description of something, but yeah, I, I think it makes sense, right? They're, the beast inside it's all allegory right it's oh, like yeah. their beast inside this, this that's what granny angela lansbury is warning uh the most dangerous wolf is the one with the hair on the inside wherever the hell that's supposed to mean <laughs> but uh um I, I get your point granny you know as uh, things are not always the same sometimes the, the things on the inside are what's what really counts and uh but yeah I, th I thought that was a really effective transformation i thought that was pretty cool yeah. pretty cool i i'm I yeah, mean, Granny had a thing against anybody with a unibrow. So, yeah, she was definitely, uh, <laughs> she was, yeah, she was. Mm, hey, Bert, uh, you need to, <laughs> you need to, right, need to trim that thing. Any, any unibrows were essentially evil. They, they mentioned that many times. If you watch this, you will feel attacked. If you have hair that meets in the middle of your eyebrows, eyebrows that your face. In the middle, you will, you would definitely yes. attacked. Um, you feel attacked in this movie. So then there's like a little side story where she goes on, uh, she goes back home and then mm -hmm. the next day it's the young boy in the village that wants to go walk in the woods with her. Yes. Um, and he's very insistent. Uh, that scene also uh, to got, the, to the, to very scary. <laughs> yeah. That's That was a, another one where it got very uncomfortable, but then right. Right after that, she just sort of climbs a tree because it's yeah like, yeah she's it she it's, it definitely has a dreamlike quality to it because she climbs a tree where there is a nest <laughs> and a mirror and red lipstick which was something that the the sister who is having this dream uh rosaline or whoever she's supposed to be uh the pest 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 yes uh she is she's the uh she's she had lipstick all over her face. So I'm like, okay, this has a very, you know, this is definitely saying this is a dream. There's crying there. There's eggs inside the nest where the mirror is at. Uh, they start cracking open and they have like little, little doll idols that later on cry. A lot of imagery, a I, lot of weird imagery that I didn't want to unpack. I, just, I didn't either. <laughs> I'm not going to bother. Like, I don't know what these <laughs> eggs are supposed to be. Why are they little no. porcelain dolls? Why did that one have a tear? Right. Why did, when she showed yeah. it to Grant, like what's happening here? <laughs> what, yeah. What yeah. I, I just, into? I stopped asking that. I stopped asking that uh, somewhere along the way. I was like, yeah. but you know, if you've ever read any fairy tales, they, they do seem, if you'll pardon, uh, if you'll pardon the reference, they do, do fr seem fractured, right? They seem mm -hmm. like, Oh, very much. They have a dreamlike quality almost. And they're always usually a thinly veiled, uh, reason to warn, uh, children about the dangers of world. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the women should be careful of charming men, which was the final, uh, Red Riding Hood story, right? The Huntsman story yep. that they told in this. Um, so yeah, it definitely has a dreamlike quality and it kind of works it. I'll, I'll give it to him. I, even though they, they would occasionally make me go, Whoa, 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 where are we going? We're going down this alley. 
I would always follow along and go, okay, let's see what's going to happen here. Let's just, yeah, you know, I wasn't angry about it. I just you, go, let's see, let's go ahead. You know, and then the, you have the whole huntsman thing where she runs into him in the middle of right. the woods and he, he convinces her to go over here for the picnic and they're talking and he's very, again, it's very creepy. Uh, right. and, and very like, well, 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 bad touch overtones. Oh, so yeah. many. Um, yeah. And they make the bet that, and then he gets to, you know, Granny's house and kills Granny. And it's very Red Riding Hood. Um, yes. And all of that. But then she tells him the story. After they have their little tussle, she shoots him in the arm with his own gun. And he that's when he transforms. Yeah, no, he doesn't like form. that. No. Yeah. Uh, but then she starts soothing him and tells him a story. And it's another one of those mm-hmm. that's very dreamlike because it's like it has nothing to do with what's going on. And the story was basically... A she-wolf came out of a well, got shot. Yes. A, uh, a, a, you know, a priest uh, took her mm-hmm. in, and then she went back into the well. Like, that was the whole story. Yeah, yeah. And then somehow that breaks everything, and then the werewolves end up jumping through uh, the dreamer's window and busting at a bunch of, toy, a bunch of you know, children's toys. And, and yep. then there you go. There's, there's your movie. Let's wrap it up. Let's yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> it you know what it kind of reminds me of the more I'm thinking about it is it's a little more dreamlike but right there's some there's some parallels here and some kind of similar DNA to uh legend Ridley Scott's yeah, legend. Yeah, it definitely feels like legend labyrinth uh never ending story mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. that in and out of dream and storytelling time um, yeah, the legend legends are really good parallel, and like I said, the labyrinth of that creepy, like this uh, Micah Burgess is that how you say his name? The, he yeah. was also in Interview of the Vampire. That he mm-hmm. was the Huntsman. Definitely gives me that uh, David Bowie. David Bowie, I'm about to 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 rape you vibe. I'm way too old for this. Um, yeah, he had he definitely stuff. had that look. Yeah, it was it was an right. interesting an interesting movie in the, those aspects. But I also think that like from just a kind of art aspect of it is mm-hmm. it was very intriguing. Yes. I I found myself kind of drawn into it even though for half of it I didn't know what the hell was going on. And like there's the I mean there there's a story about uh and this one I watched a second time this part right in the middle where Granny tells the story of um meeting the devil in the woods or something. And that's where yes, we get that's what all all uni brows eventually make a deal with the devil in the woods. Yeah. That's what that was her. Yeah, that was her thing. Right. And yeah. like we see the kid and he's seeing the eyes off in the woods. And then as they get closer, you realize it's a car. And so there there I was confused. Right. I'm like, where'd the car come from? Yeah. <laughs> does, that, does the devil have some kind of future tech? Yeah. Can drive in the woods. He's got really nice Rolls Royce. Um, right. Right. Oh, what's going on? And like, then he just drives away and the kid, the kid takes the little bottle. Of, I love Vic's vapor, vapor rub is a perfect one. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Cause I was, I thought he was going to drink it. I'm like, Oh, he's got a potion. He's going to drink it. Nope. Yeah. Nope. He's not going to drink it. He's going to no. rub it all over his chest and he's going to get some man hair. I guess yeah. that's what he it's wanted. Right. Puber- so, puberty in a bottle. Yeah. Puberty in a bottle. Exactly what it was. He turns into a werewolf instead. You know, we've made comparisons to, to, to two different movies that actually come after the mm-hmm. company of wolves uh like 85 for oh, a legend and like 86 for labyrinth so if anything those guys probably stole from this but i didn't ever see this but i guess probably the movie uh, you know those those I'm, those people probably 
I'm sure this had some influence on it for that dreamlike quality and that feel. Plus, a lot yeah. of this is done in sort of a soft focus, which those movies both had yeah. going on too. Yep, yep. I have to. Well, it's like I somebody rub some rub some Vaseline on the lenses. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. I have to believe mm-hmm. like Henson probably saw this. I can't imagine. I don't see how he wouldn't. There's a, there's a good bit of there's a good. I, I meant to look to see if there was like any DNA with the puppetry work because there's a good bit of puppetry work here. You know, and there was there was definitely some crossover and you know in, in, in the uk with oh yeah you know, what jim henson was doing so i was curious if there was anything there but i didn't have a chance to go back and take a look i i didn't find anything myself but um but i was very you know it's just it's it's kind of a an odd movie but i do think that it's one that i'm kind of i'm glad i saw it to be honest um, i as something to kind of take i'm off extremely glad yeah i'm extremely glad i saw it i wish I think this movie, I could probably sell it to my significant other mm-hmm. because she's a big fantasy film person like me. Um, she loves loves the labyrinth, but there is a line here that she would not cross, and it's those transformations. Um, the killing and stuff, that wouldn't be a big deal, but those long uh, transformations, I, I just don't think, I think it would be a big turnoff. They're very uh, to, visceral to too. Like, yes, there's not a lot of uh, silhouette or like cutaway. You're no. kind of trapped in that moment and yeah. forced to watch or look away from the screen. Um, which, right. you know, I understand. Like, art shouldn't always make you feel good. Like, it's going to make you feel something. Right. Um, and and I get that, but like also, it's a little rough to watch. And two. <laughs> when you find out and you know how young the character is supposed to be and how young the actress is playing Rosaline, right. that can make a few situations a little less comfortable. You have to, yeah. you have to watch it through the lens of like, this is whatever time period it's supposed to be. I want to say it right. feels like probably 1800s by the, by the, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, I was thinking, you know, mid 1800s or something. Um, but I'll tell you the transformation, um, that seem to go even further back. So sometimes the stories, of course, would be even further back because mm-hmm. they're being retold. These are all oral history type of stories, which fairy tales, you know, that's where they started. Um, but I think the transformation at the wedding party th- uh, shown through, uh, you know, the, the cracked mirror. Oh, yeah. I think that is palatable enough that most people could probably uh, appreciate the artistic stylings of it mm-hmm. without being uh, you know overly uh grotesque you know yes. and gory it, it it crosses over into the into the realm of gore which i'm fine with mm-hmm. uh but i i can't always take everybody with me when i go see the the gore gore yeah that takes... i mean i'll be completely honest i like i don't have a problem with gore either but that wedding scene was right. my favorite part of this entire movie oh it's so good it was that... it was the lady eating uh you know <laughs> chawing down on the chick it was just it was just so over the top i absolutely loved it though how it was portrayed you know we we didn't get a chance oh. to like the wedding party mm-hmm. at all so we just assume these all are a bunch of rich snobs and we get yeah. to watch them get their comeuppance and so yeah i liked it the the mm-hmm. lady with the purple hair just with yeah. chicken shoved in her in her face the whole time <laughs> just going to town on that thing and yeah. right, they're all these kind of upper crust, you know, just very like uh, twits. Eat the of, rich, 
Yeah. And yeah. then in comes yeah. the the girl and I was like, "Oh, I can see where this is going already." Um Yeah. And you you got you got the witch pregnant and guess what? It's time for her to lay the curse down. And, and then good. like the so the two best parts of that are purple hair uh chicken lady um because she's right, the right. last one to transition into a wolf as well. Yeah. But you get right. her in the mid like the mid phase where she's got big yes. sharp teeth and she's looking yes. around and then you see that mirror was such a cool thing where it would be a broken it piece was. of mirror and it would the camera right. would move up and down and like depending mm-hmm. on which piece of the mirror it was on you would see a little different image. But then yeah. all this is going Very. on and the whole wait staff servants are just standing there watching yeah. it like this is the most normal thing yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> Like I said, so it was surreal. very much, it was very much eat the rich. It's it just like, you know, you know, good, good. It was just, this is bad. This is happening. But the fact that it's happening to you, we don't care. And they like, they, <laughs> they all kind of came together afterward, had a little toast. And, and yeah, after all yeah. the wolves ran yeah. out, uh, I loved that so much. Yeah. And then it was good. Rosaline's uh, reaction, or she's, she's telling the story to her mom and her mom's reaction to it afterwards right. is like, wouldn't that be terrible to hear the the wolves outside your window after that? Because that was the part of it was part of the curse was making the wolves come to the mm. witch's house and howl at her and her baby. Right, and, right. And it's like, wouldn't that be terrible? We're we're frightened of that now. And she goes, yeah, but it's the power she had over them to force them yes. to do that for her. And I was like, She's fallen in love with the power, and that's the reason why she was uh, she was she was flipping the roles of make me a wolf mm. uh with with wolfman the huntsman yes 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 so that was that was Loved great it. um and then it yeah. ends of course when and this was different so the ending of it as i mentioned they kind of changed some things around um mm. the ending of the story is basically just rosaline and the huntsman as a wolf in the cottage and that's right. where it ends but here we get like the family coming to Granny's cottage to find Rosaline, and she's already turned into a wolf. Yes. Um, yes. 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 And then she runs off, and that's where good wrap up. That that was right. where you you had where suddenly they're traveling through time and coming into the current day house, and I want to know yeah. how they got that dog to dive through a uh, sugar glass window like that. Yeah, sugar glass window. That's yeah, that's a good question. I maybe they didn't ask. <laughs> i mean that's possible shove it's 1984 yeah there's a reason why we were forced to put no animals were harmed in the making of this and this was i'm not sure what the philosophy was in the uk at the time and it was canon films if you ever watch the documentary on these guys uh it's a, they had an amazing run oh yeah how they oh. how they uh how they gave, gave us a bunch of some interesting art i will say that how about that some interesting artwork it's good yes. stuff um, but the movie itself is just like there's all sorts of these little moments like David Warner gets the great moment where they set the trap for the wolf and right. they capture the wolf. And, of course, it's, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. They're just mm-hmm. all the the whole village unloads on that wolf. And my my joke as I was watching is like that wolf's fine. It just jumps out and runs away. <laughs> um, but he cut the paw off the wolf. Yes. And when he gets it's home, a trophy. Yeah, is his trophy. Yeah. And he gets it home and it's a human hand. And he's yeah, all, yeah. He's Surprise, sucker. Oh, yeah, like, as you should be. That's what you get. That's what you get because that's this movie is definitely trying to uh, get make us empathetic 
with the struggles mm-hmm. of the of the of the werewolf, right? I think so. I think so in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, yeah. A little behind the scenes stuff uh, that they set the the duck that they were using for bait. Um, right, right. They put that in there for the the dog. I think it was a dog. Like half the wolves in this were were sheep dogs um, with their hair right. dyed, but there were some actual yeah. wolves. But I guess that yeah, scene, you could definitely tell it. Yeah, mm. and and I guess in that scene they set everything up, and the the wolf started walking in, and the duck quacked and spooked the wolf, and it wouldn't come back. <laughs> so they had to shoot it again the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wolves are kind of uh, they're they you know they're just like your other animal. They they they're very pin- finicky, and mm-hmm. uh, they can be just as spooked as anybody else. It's like, no, nah, this ain't right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in there, but ain't none of this making any sense. <laughs> nope, I ain't going in. Oh, but the the dogs were gorgeous throughout the whole thing. All the dogs. Oh, so many gorgeous dogs. It just made me. Yeah, that's that's what was so funny. It was almost laughable because you would see these horrific transformations, and then by the time you just have a bunch of cute tongue wagging, (laughs) you know, dogs running around, it was just like, okay, now you've 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 undermined the entire uh, thing where I'm supposed to be worried or you know scared. Just ain't working anymore. at the very end, when the mom walks into the cabin, and there's the Rosalind yeah. Wolf, because she's got the, yeah. the cross around her neck, and that dog yeah. is just tongue lolled out the side of its mouth. And it is so happy. just the cutest thing. You just want to, you just want to go good boy it. You know, you just, oh yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's hilarious. I do love one, that part though. That was good. That was uh, one trivia bit I I read. I don't know how much I believe this one, but it's a fun story. Was they had actual wolves on set. And because they had actual wolves, supposedly they had to have snipers on set in case the wolves got went crazy. And the quote from one of the producers was, shoot the wolf first, then shoot me. Because... My life will effectively be over if that if that right. little girl gets attacked by a wolf. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that would be <laughs> tough. That would be tough. But I mean, that's fairy tale one hundred and one, right? The wolves right. in the woods. Uh-huh. I mean, that's that's what half the stories we've heard involve in yeah. some form or fashion. So yeah, I think interesting. I think too. The other reason why this movie reminded me of those other kind of eighties fantasy films is all of those films shot on stage and you could tell they were right. shot on stages right. um there's something to that fairy tale forest that doesn't right. feel like you want to shoot that on stage. it's like when tim burton did uh sleepy hollow in the late 90s and right right he shot so much of that on a sound stage and they made their forest and they did that here right. and i think for a fairy tale i want that i want that look I, of yeah it's not a real forest they did, they only had 12 trees right. to work with and they had to figure out how to configure things. That's right. Um, I did read that they only had like 12 trees. <laughs> that I thought that was crazy. Is crazy. That's crazy talk. Um but I like that because I want my fairy tales to feel not quite right. Like the the right. world the world shouldn't look real. Um, right. Especially when you're especially when it is an oral uh derivative fairy tale telling like you kind of want a bit of a theatrical or Mm -hmm. you know like a real theater stage kind of feel yeah right it just it 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 just plays in 
really well. And it, it helps a lot too, because you're using, you're using puppets and you need that control. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, pu- there's actually more puppets in here than I thought there would be. I was, and there's one puppet that gets no explanation at all is said granny Lansbury's house cabin in the woods, whatever it is. It's, it's, it, I think it, yes, it's the weasel. Is that this, oh, that, yeah. that weasel thing it pops up every once in a while. It looks like it's just sleeping. Is it supposed to be dead? It's supposed to be some kind of clothing I th- wear. I think it was like a boa it, that she would wear around her neck. It, right. And it would just occasionally just pop up and hiss or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it hissed at the, the snake what, in the what? woods for some yes. reason. Yes. There was, yes. there were a few times where I thought, was the snake supposed to symbolize something? Was the frog, like the giant toads right. that would show up? Were they supposed oh, to the symbolize toads something? were. S- the toads were so fantastic oh, in this them. movie. Um, there was there, there was just these these small creature moments that they got on film that you just don't usually get to see. You know where there's a frog that's just sitting for it's a second or two on a stump and he jumps away. And my God, it just adds to the authenticity of of a fairy tale because they're just littered. Fairy tales are littered. With with you know that kind of descriptive language about you know the different things in the forest, yeah. and uh, man, I, I I just really loved it. It really added a lot. And I like to you know it's open to some interpretation. You can kind of go in a few different directions with it. I have pretty good idea what they were trying to get across, but like at the same time, right? I could see somebody else watching this, reading it a completely different way, and it works. And oh, I yeah. love I love stuff like that. I love things that, yeah. that can be looked at from different angles and from different points of view. Um, so I think for a second ever feature film, Neil Jordan really did something impressive here. Such a, such a small budget. Yeah. Um, I, I was trying to think, I, I was really trying to think, I'm like, what would have been, you know, the influences because we mentioned some of them here, like labyrinth. That was all after uh, legend after that. Uh, the Dark Crystal, a couple years before them, but not really relational to this. Return to Oz, I kept thinking that was like late 70s. That's like mid 80s. Um, there was stuff like Excalibur that you might have seen, but a lot of these were more adult fairy tales. But this felt more like what you would see in the labyrinth. So I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm, I'm I, I think I'm missing a couple of pieces of where they got their, uh, you know, their inspiration from yeah um, i mean angela it's, it's really good was it angela carter is that her name she wrote right. the original story um right and i'm curious to know like her influences because then she you know like i said she'd done the radio drama version of the story and then wanted to mm-hmm. make a screenplay out of it met neil jordan they got together they started working on it and it was neil jordan's idea to add the present day stuff as like a wraparound but I feel like right, that wasn't right. fully thought out because right. it is very confusing as to how much of that is connected to oh. what's going on. It's yeah. almost like if they th- – this feels a little bit like it was sort of a version one. And if they'd had the opportunity it, to mm-hmm. refine it, um, they could have made that a little bit more cohesive. Yeah. I mean, w- looking back on stuff that does it a lot better later, later on, like The Princess Bride, you're mm-hmm. like, this is how you do it. Yes. You know, even even uh, the return to Oz is kind of got most of it down pat. But then when you go here, it's just like, OK. And like I said, I'm still I'm still struggling to find anything 
this in this formula that came before it. And now I'm 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 thinking maybe I've got to restructure my ideas of, you know, where things were influenced. Maybe this has bigger influence than I think. I think I it, it may have, and it may also be like it was it was a lot of just let's take actual fairy tales, let's make a fairy tale movie. It does feel a little right. bit like some of the um kind of not so much early horror films like Wolfman type movies, although there's definitely right. some some feel of like those old Universal movies in here. But mm-hmm. it's like taking that and um oh, man, I don't know how to how to word it. Like put a put it take the gloss off of something like that and add a dream okay. quality to it. Right. Give it a right. Sur- give it a a, a, ver- a like a surreal nature to where you're not right. entirely sure what's reality right. involved where reality right. is in this. right and um, you know that feels a lot like alice in wonderland i mean if anyone's ever yeah. read alice in wonderland that's a perfect modern take on that that mm-hmm. idea and we've seen some but not with this particular flavor there's a lot of things going on I've got, let's just put it this way this movie is really good at inspiring me to uh to relook it, how, what I think influenced what. So I think that's, I think that's pretty important. Yeah. I mean, did the whiz inspire this whole thing? Maybe it's the whiz. Maybe the whiz is where this is really all coming from. By the way, a lot of people give the whiz shit. I like the whiz. Okay. If you've no, never seen the whiz with Michael Jackson, it's a, you know, mod, a more, a kind of another retelling of the Wiz of Oz in a more uh, hip manner. Right. Yeah. With Michael Jackson it's kind doing of a... his little, the dance and stuff. Loved it. Motown Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, there you go. Motown Wizard of Oz. I like that. Because, you know, I think, too, there's... Uh, I wonder how much, like, some of the uh, Hammer Horror played uh, yes. a role in, you know, this kind of... Because this has that feel, right? That I think absolutely. Feel. Those guys over there were constantly being hammered by those Hammer stories. So that makes total sense. That was one thing where... It's kind of amazing that Angela Lansbury wasn't in any Hammer films because she was friends with yeah, all of them. Yeah. Like she knew all the yeah. actors that were involved, but for whatever reason, she never showed up in any of them. Um, right. Mm. And uh, also, I think like David Warner is sort of gives you some of that because he wasn't as well known yet, but he had been around for a little bit. Right. So he was another presence that kind of feels like he belonged in those same movies. Right. So there's a little bit of that in there. I just think yeah. I think it's really interesting yeah. to, to see. And for this to be like, like I said, a second feature, you know, he had done a movie two years earlier called Angel and then he makes this. Okay. And, right. you know, within a few years he's doing, uh, I forgot he directed We're No Angels. With, oh. Uh, uh, Sean Penn. He has and, a theme. Uh, Robert De Niro. Right. Um, hmm. I, I haven't seen that in forever. Um, right. But like, yeah, I mean, he, you know, ended up having quite the career. Michael hmm. Collins. Uh, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. probably most known for the crying game and interview with a vampire though. Those are the two. Right. Right. Ones. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Those are the two that I really know. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. And he got to start, uh, a weird werewolf movie. <laughs> werewolf. Weird. Yeah. Like, like, I love, I love anthologies. And even though this doesn't, I think fit the tight definition of an anthology because they don't necessarily, I, I think they, you, I, I don't know. This is a very loose anthology at best because it's more about just different storytellers along the way, 
you're in a dream. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. I think that's what's different about it, right? Normally, when I think of an anthology, because I'm I'm with you. I love anthology. I especially love horror and sci-fi anthologies because right yes horror sci-fi fantasy that type of story lends itself so well to short stories oh yeah because you don't need to have a three-act structure you can that's why twilight zone works so well that's why you know tales from the dark side and tales from the crypt and all of those work so well Mm -hmm. and i love that stuff but typically when i think of an anthology film i think of oh we've got a rapper and it's somebody right. telling the stories or reading us the stories or whatever. And this is like, right. I kind of like the concept of this where the anthology nature of it is woven into and it's different right. people telling different stories throughout it. Or like mm-hmm. somebody has a dream and then somebody in that story tells you a couple of stories and then someone else steps in and does. I think that's a neat idea. I just think execution wise. Yeah. This movie does a good job with it, but it took me, as I said, half the movie to figure out what right. the hell was going on. Yeah, because this is not formulaic for what we no. usually think of, but it it really is. It's almost like an inception level of <laughs> uh, anthology because you have a, you know a dream level, then you have different characters telling stories within the story, and then you yeah. have a story within a story. And you're like, holy Moses, how deep were we in? Let's get out of here. By the time we get to the she wolf story coming out of the yeah the well, we're we're three levels deep, and you don't even right. Know we're three levels anymore. deep. You gotta you gotta get kicked out. Yeah, get kicked into the tub so you can uh, <laughs> you can go yeah. one level. You gotta wake up. You gotta wake up. You're too and, deep. And when you mix in like a lot of the dream imagery and a lot of the the strange things like crying and tears was a a big right. motif, um, yeah. which. There were parts of this movie that really showed the budget, and I think the crying yeah, really yeah. showed the budget because it just looked like they just <laughs> dumped water on their faces. Like especially yeah. the the little the girl that's supposed to be the wolf when the priest comes out to see her. It just looks like they right, just right. had like a giant turkey baster. And they just did. It was it was streams. <laughs> yeah, it was streams. No red eyes or anything. Just streams nope. of of water but they they wore a lot of contacts apparently because you know there's always somebody wearing some color different color eye things i don't think they painted each cell so i would assume no. that they were wearing some kind of contacts but i don't know the yellow i don't know yellow how you contacts. make a, yeah that's what i'm assuming too mm-hmm. had to have been um that'll that'll make it's uh 1984 yellow contacts will make your eyes water you'll ooh. think you're crying yeah ooh. no thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> um there was also like Okay, so there were there were a couple of scenes that did make me just out and out chuckle and laugh, like at the ridiculousness right. of them. The the scene where they go to service on the Sunday before uh, Rosaline and the the young boy go for their walk. The right, priest right. in that scene cracked me up because he seemed <laughs> he was just he was so he was so trying to pull my twelve year old uh, dirty <laughs> mind through the gutter. Is that what she was having trouble with too? Yes, yes, and I yeah, because he was saying stuff that was like cocktitulate or something i mean it was he was doing all kinds of uh, uh you know and it was uh, the slang words for stuff almost yeah and it was the silly smile on his face when he would say it. and i had to capture a couple yeah. of these things and i want to play this was the yeah. first one when he said this i kind of stopped him like wait did i hear that right because he says and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp i was like the what the hole of the who the asp <laughs> 
Not only because I know what that is, this is very much ch- hum- church humor. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be taking those stuff serious. And occasionally, uh, the preacher man would drop some kind of word that sounds like ass or cock or, you know, or, or something. You would always mm-hmm. hear something. Asp is a snake, right? That's, yep. that's what an, uh, an asp is, right? So, um, yeah, it was, it was, but he, the way his delivery, like he was just having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know you kids out there are listening. Here's the, one for you. And then there was this one. And the wean child shall put his hand on the cockatrix den. <laughs> you can hear the grin on his yes. face in that. Yes. Yeah. That um, was good. Yeah, it was, there was, the, like, that just cracked me up. And like I said, the, the whole surreal nature of all those upper crust in the wedding turning into wolves and just... Yeah. It was it was the wait staff the the servants the just standing there yeah. watching it like well this is Tuesday yeah like this just happens yeah this is what yeah. happens is you know what there's going to be some more rich people here any minute to ruin our <laughs> yeah. lives so whatever let's go ahead and take this group out and uh, we'll we'll take a little break we'll take a five we'll eat their food and yep. uh, we'll go about our business that's what you do because we uh, don't have choices in life <laughs> in no exactly they don't um, right. In in the annals of sort of great voices, is there anybody that you want to say? Once upon a time, more than oh, Angela yes. Lansbury. Like, wasn't that so good? I I knew I was in as soon as Angela Lansbury uh, started giving us that stuff. Mm. I was just like, yeah, you you nailed it. You got you got the job. You got no. the job. No You're notes. In my heart. Cut print. That's a wrap. Let's do it. That's it. Um, that's a wrap. We did so good. And also, like, this is just good life advice. And never trust a man whose eyebrows meet. <laughs> I heard that. I, I feel like, so bad. I know. I feel so it bad is. for those. I feel so bad for unibrow people. And it's, uh, I know it's a choice. I mean, I know they know that there's a way to trim between those. But, uh, you know, who am I to demand uh, that you have separated eyebrows? N- no one. I'm not here to tell you to do that. You 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 grow your facial hair the way you want to. Yep. It's your face. It's your hair. I'm not going to trust you any less because you didn't shave between your eyes. That's right. I definitely not going to judge you. It's interesting to me that these are the least hairy werewolves. Like Stephen, they Ray. were grossly hairy. Well, they were like long, stringy, gappy. When they when they started hairy. to transform, yes. But like Stephen Ray at the beginning, he takes his shirt off. Right. And he's, he's like, just, I mean, no body hair at all. Yeah, yeah. It's when he comes back later and he's got the long hair, like, full of lice. You could tell he just, right. like, he hasn't bathed in yeah. the entirety of the time he yes. was missing. Yes. Um, you're right, because it was the second transition where, like, all the hair would grow. And it was pretty, like, yeah. patchy, stringy. Yeah, yeah. I did not. I, that was, that was, uh, the, uh, hairy boobs. <laughs> uh, and the wedding thing was not something I signed on for. I, very European. Very, very, <laughs> very continental. Um, yes, very continental. I liked it. It made me laugh. No, this was, I'm I'm glad that we watched this, honestly. I can't believe I'd never oh, yeah. heard of it. Like it. Yeah. It's something, as long as you can put yourself in the right mind frame of like, look, this is early to mid 80s, right? 80. Because it came out in right. 84 in the UK. I think it was 85 was when it got released in the US. Um, right. But if you think about that and then the fairy tale aspect of it, that can help 
to soften the blow of the fact that the main character in this is 12. Um, right. And I still can't believe she's 12. That, I, that feels ridiculous. I had to like, she does such an amazing job. Yeah. I had to do the math a couple of times. I'm like, wait a minute. So she was born in 72. Yeah. So she would have, wow. She was, she was born the same year I was born. Wow. Okay. So I don't feel bad. So she was 12 and I was 12. Totally acceptable for me to, uh, you know, watch another 12 year old be, you know, ogled, I guess. I don't know what the crap was going on with that. That still makes me feel nervous. I've always felt the same way with the labyrinth too, though. I'm always like, look, David Bowie, I love David Bowie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan, but, uh, that movie makes me uncomfortable even, even to the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it, but it also makes me feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's part of it. It's supposed to feel uncomfortable, right? It's well, it was to also the cod. She's being taken advantage of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the cod definitely that, is. That, that didn't help. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but no, this is... Uh, I'm just... I'm kind of bummed that it took me this long to watch it, but at the same time, I feel like... I'm in the right mind frame as a human being to appreciate this movie more watching it now than if right. I was the, the me from 20 years ago, if I'd heard about this movie, wouldn't, I don't think would have appreciated what they were trying to do with it. I right. Have, I would have looked at it. I might have enjoyed it, but I would have enjoyed it for very different and possibly quote unquote wrong reasons. And I feel like, right, right. There's a better appreciation of the the craft that goes into something like this. And sort of right. that weird art. It's been happening a lot with me. Agreed. Lately. I've been watching a lot of strange, uh, a lot more sur surrealistic stuff recently. Right. That I've been enjoying more. So, eh, you know. I, yeah, I think this is definitely, yeah, I, I like the surreal kind of stuff. Um, did you ever see movies like Pumpkinhead? Yeah. Um, Pumpkinhead or I, I watched yeah. Eraserhead for the first time this year. Oh, racer! That's boy. That is some surreal boy. You you just took it from like zero to a hundred. But like That's, I uh, I worked my way in there. Um, I didn't I didn't start with Eraserhead and David Lynch. Like, yeah, don't start with Eraserhead. If you're out there listening, going, I'd like to see some surreal movies. Don't start there. That's no, uh, no, no. You no. got to practice. You got to get into shape. You got to do <laughs> yeah. some stretches before you get in there. Because otherwise, you you're like you're already going to be confused. It's going to be so much worse. But uh, right, you right, know, like. That Mulholland Drive. Uh, I watched. Oh, Mulholland Drive is so good. Uh, Naked Lunch was a weird, weird movie. I seen Naked Lunch. I don't think I've seen Naked Lunch yet. Ooh, uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you. What is what reminded me oddly of this movie because it's also an anthology and it's something that I miss when it first came out. Um, it's a movie called Trick or Treat. Oh, love Trick. Um, or Treat. Trick or Treat is a hard edge uh, anthology. Mm -hmm. Be prepared, uh, but is 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 a is a treat to behold. Trick or Treat. It, it is. is uh, it is one of the better uh, horror anthology movies that I've seen. Honestly, like yeah, and yeah. I love like I'm a big fan of the old um, the movie Tales from the Dark Side. I remember seeing that. Yes, I remember seeing that a little yes. too young. Uh, we right, it was, right. It was back when our uh, our local drive-in theater would play R-rated films, and they would always have like right. a family-friendly movie, and then the second part of the double feature would be something R-rated. Because mm -hmm. um, I saw Terminator Two there as well. Uh, right, but I, right. I remember going to see that, and that was one where I stayed up for the second movie because I had watched yeah. a little bit of Tales of the Dark Side when it was on TV, but right. this was the movie. So like I ended mm. up with my parents like throwing a blanket up in the front of the minivan to 
at a couple of scenes that were they thought were too intense for me. But like, this is pretty intense. It's not it's not all the way, and the intense parts just go by pretty quick. But man, mm-hmm. it can get it can get intense. And I, I love those. But then intense. I saw Trick or Treat for the first time about four years ago. It was the first year of this podcast, right. and Trick or Treat oh, yeah. is really good. I understand why it's got the cult following that it does. Yeah, um, it kind of it kind of whiffed at the theater in two thousand seven. It um, did, unfortunately. It's, it's yeah. Since then, it's it's done pretty good around the uh, around the old campfire. Yeah, and Sam and everybody everybody loves the Sam characters. Matter of fact, if you're ever out uh, like it, it's some kind of Halloween place that sells Halloween stuff, like Spirit of Halloween mm-hmm. or wherever those places are. You'll you'll run across a, a little uh, burlap sack pumpkin head looking oh, thing yeah. and you go what the crap is that the sam from trick-or-treat there's we, your source um, material go go figure it out we did that for um my ex's son for halloween one year he went as sam and so we made yeah, like yeah. a giant paper mache head for him to wear and we we found him right orange you know orange jammies orange footy pajamas yeah yep oh it yeah great. yeah it's such a it's good an, it's such a uh an iconic character look it really is. It so, really is. We didn't get a lot of those in the 2007s. We weren't doing these kind of horrors for the most part at that time. No. So it was good to see to see one make it through. I feel like that is a movie that would be more appreciated today if it were to come out. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Than it was at the time. Like there's just a it's yeah. the, the sensibility of like moviegoers now. I think would like that more. Mm-hmm. Sort of. In some ways, like the Company of Wolves, I think if they did a some kind yeah. of a remake of it, sort of modernize oh, yeah. it a little bit, I do feel like it could do all right because werewolves yeah. and vampires have have stayed popular. Um, yeah, it, the the big temptation that would you would have to subdue the overt sexuality because man, oh, you yeah. could really you could run headlong into the Company of Wolves and make it almost soft porn because that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of where it's uh you know is insinuating it wants to go anyway yeah um so yeah i think but i think it's it pulling it back is actually a good thing i think that's actually i think so too because it's a little better yeah it gives more open to more interpretation and and being able to right. read it the way that you kind of want um yeah it's I coming think- of age story and i i prefer my coming of age story just not to be full-on you know <laughs> college level sex no romps you know what i mean nope, i prefer them that. to be uh, coming of age right yes. <laughs> yeah because that's the whole idea is like this girl's going through sort of the change from young girl to to uh, not quite adult but she's going into her teenage right. years um mm-hmm. so which i don't have any experience being a young girl becoming a teenager but i can appreciate the storytelling no. but you so, know the feeling of the alienation of oh, being absolutely. in uh, a, a emerging uh, man's body with a child's brain, you know, mm-hmm. as you do, it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things you're learning for the first time, and some of it can be quite traumatizing and horrific. And, you know, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Dear Jeebus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, like the, the company that you're in and sort of who's around you at the time that those things happen. Because, yeah. like, this girl's going through dealing with a mom who the relationship between her and her mom seems pretty good, but like, I, I was never right. quite sure what was going on with the father. Was he, <laughs> right, right. Was he like doting and, and kind to her, but then he would tease her a little bit and make jokes yeah. about like 
marrying her off. Like it was, there was interesting things there. Yeah, um, totally. So, oh, we all, Danny R in the chat. Oh, we all become werewolves. Lycanthropy is a feminist issue. Absolutely, yeah. we all become. That's the that's the idea, right? We we are. That's that's the that's the thing they let they they leaned into over the years. The werewolf story, wherever it, it really originated, it really is. A lot of writers have taken it to to kind of be in uh, an analogy of 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 transformation, right? Oh, I'm mm -hmm. a beast now. I'm arr. yeah. So it, yeah, makes makes sense. But this is a, I mean, uh, uh, like you said, outside of the gory parts of it, I think that this can be a pretty good movie. It's, you have to be able to to either handle a little bit of gore or just skip that. Um, use that. Yeah, you, you have to kind of fast forward through that part. Yeah, like, like I said, if it wasn't for the the, I, I think the last one where the face kind of pops through, I think that's probably okay. But man, that one scene where he's just muscle man. That one's I the just don't one. know if I could. I don't know if I could sell that. I don't. I think <laughs> they would be out. Yeah. Don't know that, if I could do it. That second one because it happens so quickly and it's kind of the ridiculous yeah. nature of it. Like the the more right. disturbing image is not the wolf coming out of his mouth, but it's the the weird long tongue for some reason. Oh, the, like, the forgot about the dog. The dog tongue. I yeah. love that. That was so. So disturbing. It really so was. So very disturbing. Um, Loved it. But like that whole transition isn't near because there's a little bit of the like you can see the puppetry and the fakiness of it. But that right. first one is just it's rough because he's. Yeah. Tearing. It's like, look at we did. We we made a thing and we're going to make you watch. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to sit and watch all of it. You can sit and watch. We're gonna tear this face off real slow. We we spent a lot of money on this prosthetic, and we're gonna enjoy every minute. We're not cutting any of it. None of it. We're not cutting any of it. We only got one shot at this. Nope. So we're gonna draw it out as long. That's as we right. Can. We paid they, for it. They we're did too. Woo. Um, was rough. But yeah, I mean, Company of Wolves. I, this is this is fun. This is a good one. Um, yeah. yeah. I liked having the stipulations of '80s horror. And making me find yeah. something. Did now? Did you watch this on VHS? Because I know you you saw you found it on eBay. Right. I wasn't yes. sure if you did. Buy I wanted it or not. to. I I did not end up pulling the trigger. Okay. Um. I kept I kept wanting to, but I was like, <laughs> ah, I really need to watch it first because the cover box is pretty good. But I've been burnt by cover boxes before. <laughs> yeah. And if if it had been if if it had been like ten dollars. I probably would have done it. I probably would have bit the bullet, but everything I was looking at after shipping was typically going to be over 20 something. And yeah. that was a little bit high to take a risk on a VHS that I might not. I, I wish I had of now. Not I wouldn't say I wish I think I would have been okay. If I had have ordered it, I would have been fine with what I got. Let's put mm -hmm. it that way. But yeah. that's hindsight. That's hindsight. Sure, I sure. didn't watch it yet. Um, so yeah, that ship has sailed. But I don't really even know know that it would benefit from the VHS format. I like '80s gritty sci-fi movies and how they look on a CRT playing through a VHS. But I don't think it hurt me any. I watched this one. I watched it on YouTube for free. Okay, they yeah. just have it on YouTube for free. There's there's a bunch of places you can rent it and everything else but i just ended up watching it on youtube it is it's it is fine. streaming there and it's also streaming on shutter if you have that which is a yes if you have if shutter, i don't fan, currently have that yeah 
You could also do the AMC Plus mm-hmm. seven day trial if uh, yeah through uh, through Prime if mm-hmm. you if you wanted to do that. But just YouTube. It was a super. And it's the official. I think it's the official. Uh, whoever owns the rights right now, they just probably right whoever bought it after some Canon Uber. <laughs> probably so. Probably so. But yeah, it is worth checking out. It's an hour and a half long. Um, it's a, it's a weird one. It's not going to make a whole lot of sense at first, but uh, I no. found it quite enjoyable. So uh, this was the fun. Yeah, fun one. I don't think I'm not going to. I'm not going to convince anybody. Absolutely, <laughs> no. it's, it's definitely a conversation. It's a conversational movie, right? It's good for conversation, mm-hmm. if nothing else. There's there's yeah. going to be parts of it where you're going to be able to really dive in, and and I, I could see like this being one, especially if I had been say in my like early twenties in, in 1984, this would have been the type of right. movie you would see and then go sit in a coffee shop over, you know, till 4am yes. with cigarettes and coffee yes. talking about what you saw and going all philosophical and diving into it. Like that's that, it's that kind oh, that of would movie be, to me. Yeah. That would be the, the ultimate experience would to be watch this with a group of friends on a late, late night sometime when you're already in a, a twilight haze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of dreaminess anyway right yeah because some Be movies perfect. are some movies are that saturday afternoon uh cable tv type thing right that you find right. this feels right, like right. it's a friday saturday night you happen to find like this old rundown theater yes that was running it was a midnight yes. showing that's what this yes. feels like this this definitely this definitely benefits from uh a a, a, a groggy sleepy head late at night where special effects that typically would be laughable can uh, find a way to make you feel unsettled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. You know, it's, it's just how it is, you know, at two in the morning, it's just like, Oh, well, this is kind of making me feel uncomfortable a little bit <laughs> nauseous. Even I don't know what is going on right now. This movie's affecting me in ways I didn't know could happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here this week. This was oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, it'd been, it'd been a while Absolutely. since you'd been on and I'd been wanting to get you back. So oh, yeah. uh, I'm glad that you were here. Um, for those Absolutely. like the, the three people that are listening to this that have never heard of film sack before, let them know about that. Oh yeah. Film sack. Got to watch that. We, uh, we did one just today. We did bull Durham. That's uh, what from 1988 with Susan yeah. Sarandon and Nicholas, uh, well, not Nicholas, Kevin Costner, uh, and Tim Robbins, way too much Tim Robbins, but <laughs> for me, uh, if you've never seen this softcore porn, you should really check it out and then listen to the podcast film sack where we've been doing that since 2008, talking about movies that have, uh, that have, that could be culturally important, or maybe are just dumb reasons to watch movies. And we want to talk about them. Anything that has a conversation like, like we did here. Yeah, this mm-hmm. was, this Loves is one I think about you movies. should, uh, should try to get, if not this October, maybe next year try to convince yeah this october uh, is is packed but uh yeah i think this this is going to be on my list and i may eventually if i find it i'm on the lookout for the vhs version of this and so i may eventually pick that up too excellent very very totally. cool film sack yes, great show big influence on me um mm-hmm. in, in doing it. this show so it's always great to have one of you guys on here but also um mm-hmm. if you're not listening to it already go check it out and they have Oh, it's 600 episodes now, something like that. So many. It's amazing. So many. I don't, I, I stopped counting a long time ago. Uh, I mean, 2008. Honestly, what is it? If you think about it, Scott, years Scott quit counting a while back, too. 
because <laughs> they're, they're all wrong. Yeah, he did. It's all over the place. <laughs> it's all over the place. He's always getting criticized for that. Scott, this is not the right number. And it's like, dude, after, you know, what, <laughs> 15 so years yeah. we've been doing a week, wow. once a week for 15 years. Yeah. Come on. That's incredible. Let's make well, do some math real quick. Okay, great. Yeah. Filmsack.com. Check that out. Brian, thank you so much for being here. This was a pleasure oh, as Travis. always. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Next Thanks for week, having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, we'll have to do more than once yeah. a week, like three years. Because I think you were. Yeah, we'll see. I think you were within the first. Well, that you're a busy guy. Um, we should do it. We should do it at least once every six months. Three years know. is a bit long. I um, think that's a little bit long. So starting next week, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a crossover with another show that I do called Gore. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, have... yes, gore. I, I think there's some gore, gory folks in the chat room, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Was there some, uh, some yeah, gore well, fans Faye, out there in the yeah, chat room? Phelan in the chat is one yeah. of the co-hosts. We're yep, going to be yep. doing, uh, we got some fun so. movies on tap for uh, everybody. Uh, next week is, oh, which one are we starting? I tell everybody for? about gore, by the way. Every chance I get, I try to I try to tell people about gore. We have. Because I I, I'm a big horror fan. Oh, uh, and it's it's been a lot of, yeah. I mean, we we run the gamut of like good classic horror films to some right real bad real like yeah I can't believe we watched uh, Thanks Killing that one was bad but oh that's gonna... great I I did I watch that one I think I started to watch that one I can't remember if I watched it or not yeah we keep uh, we keep threatening we're gonna do Thanks Killing three which is the sequel because there was no two oh, God. Just okay now that's too far no, and I don't think I'm going too I don't, far I don't know if I can do it but um. We're starting next uh, next week. We're kicking off our October crossovers with this show with Maximum mm. Overdrive. We're going to go Stephen King. Oh, yes. I can't I wait. I think, it's, uh, I think it's Monica that hasn't seen it before. Oh, really? Interesting. So, yeah, a comet uh, uh, is traveling by, and let's just say things go awry. I need to find mm-hmm. the trailer for it that had it was Stephen King talking about making the movie, um, because oh, yeah. he directed it, and it's like that's just, right. It's distilled Stephen King, right? It's like people yes. say nobody nobody does Stephen King right. Well, I can do it right, type of thing. Like, and <laughs> oh, hmm, well, results may vary. So <laughs> that's gonna be a fun uh, one to it's, check it's, out. Uh, it's it's definitely a thing of its time. It is very <laughs> iconic. I, I swear you you definitely if you if you you've seen the 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 goblin truck mm-hmm. so I mean you you've it's, it's in your head it's in your head yep you can't get away from it. the goblin truck I can guarantee you there will be a audio clip I will capture of Discussion. we made you we made yeah you. Um, we made who <laughs> and that was the that was such a jam I love that oh. It was. It really, really was. And yeah. it's a movie where we get to see somebody get killed by a Coke machine. So. Yes, the Coke machine is that is one of the, whenever somebody anybody mentions the maximum overdrive, usually the first thing I think about is is the coach, right? The coach gets I don't want to spoil it. But there's a there's a, there's a Coke can that that does things. Yep. I don't want to spoil it. I'll keep it to myself. I keep That's it myself. fine. That's fine. It's a, it's yeah. old enough spoilers. We're gonna spoil the hell out of it next week anyway. So That'll be fun. Right, that's that's right. what's coming up next week. But Brian, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, um, thank you, man. And uh, if you seriously don't wait three years next time, that's too long. No, I Beautiful. won't. I won't. It's a sad, um, it's a sad, sad commentary on on life. And uh, check out check check out Brian on FilmSack on Play Retro. 
um, is another one he does mm-hmm. on retro the retro gaming stuff. I love yep. all of that. Plus your streams, Twitch, yeah, uh, Twitch slash Brian Dunaway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, enjoying um, the enjoying the community. If you're not you're not part of the uh, the Mission Deep community, where TV Travis hangs out with us occasionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, quite often. Right. <laughs> I do. It's it's one of the better Discord <laughs> communities I'm a part of. I won't lie. Yeah, you've got yeah fun. You've cultivated fun. a really great community there. So definitely, if uh, come hang out uh, in the Discord, hang out in the chats yeah. during Brian's streams. It's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't I, take the credit for for his beautiful uh, growth, but I can definitely take the credit for for starting it and gathering a bunch of great people and going, hey, we should do something fun. And it's worked. It's worked. So, yeah. Uh, until next week in Maximum Overdrive, just remember to enjoy your movies. And uh, this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>